Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, NFL fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Fans First Football Show. I am Jeff Hartman, joined by Rob Stats Guerrero, who is back. Rob, what's going on? Oh, not too much, Jeff. <laughs> not too much. How are you? I'm fine. There's no, uh, there's a different attire. If you're watching us live on YouTube or something like that, there's no victory Monday shirt. I've never seen you not in a victory Monday shirt. So we'll get to that. Well, I don't want to bring the, bring that up just now. I want to ask you some, let's go positive thoughts to start the show. I want to hear your experience Sunday night football. That's the last time we talked to you. You're getting ready for the 49ers and Cowboys. How was your first NFL game? The game was awesome. The environment at Levi's was electric. The first quarter was like all adrenaline. Everybody was just like, like, oh man, it was crazy. And then the 49ers just steamrolled the Cowboys. So it was like for your first NFL game, first time, you know, seeing my team, the 49ers play at Levi's in their home stadium. It was the biggest game of the year to that point. It was an unbelievable environment, not dissimilar to what happened in Cleveland yesterday? It was a crazy environment in Cleveland yeah. against the 49ers. Let's start there. We got to start there. Let's just let's just get it over with. Let's rip the band-aid off. And it was the 49ers' first loss. And it was it was ugly. You know, I watched a lot of this game based on the fact that it's an AFC North opponent for the Steelers who were on a bye week. And man, if if just a couple things go a little different. Hey, what's the, been the biggest knock on Christian McCaffrey? It's Kenny stay healthy. The dude's out of this world, playing out of his mind, leaves with an oblique. Is that correct? Is that still what yes. they're saying is an oblique? No and oblique then also, slash rib. Debo Samuel with a shoulder. He leaves the game. 
and it just seems like everything just kind of came to a screeching halt. The 49ers, even with all that going against him, had a chance to win this on a 41-yard Jake Moody field goal. He misses wide right, and the Browns somehow, someway, with P.J. Walker at quarterback, win 19-17. to Rob, I got to ask your uh, knee-jerk reaction to this one. Just a sloppy, sloppy performance by the 49ers all around. And you know what? First, credit to the Browns, because they absolutely punched the 49ers in the face, and the Niners never recovered. They dominated the line of scrimmage, Cleveland did. They absolutely shut down the run game. In the second half, it was pathetic. The 49ers had minus 12 yards of offense in the third quarter, and I get it. Debo and McCaffrey were hurt. I don't care. Gain a yard. One. One yard. It was a hideous performance by the 49ers. They were behind the sticks all day. In the second half, the 49ers had 12 first downs. They gained a total of zero net yards on those 12 first downs in the second half. Zero. And they really only did anything. The only reason it's zero is because they had a couple big plays on the final drive when they actually did get their heads out of their rear ends and go down the field and get in a position to win the game. But it was just a an ugly performance all around. 12 penalties by the 49ers. Now, the Browns had 13, so it was the most penalties <laughs> and penalty yards in the game all year. But just a sloppy performance by San Francisco. And, you know, maybe they were too pumped up coming off that big win over Dallas and they were feeling themselves a little bit. But they absolutely got served on Sunday. I predicted a close game. Uh, I definitely said I would have taken a, like a bold prediction, take the Browns giving, getting those points at home. I like their defense, but a quick question. If, for those of you that are listening audio, you can't see this, but behind Rob is a George Kittle Jersey. Where is George Kittle? I mean, outside of the three, he, yeah, he had a hat trick. I get it. A couple, I think it was against the, the Cowboys. He's kind of been just, he's kind of disappeared. Like where is George Kittle? There are too many games where this happens to George. And I don't know if it's because the pass rush was getting to Brock Purdy, so they used him to pass block a little more. But when you've got Christian McCaffrey out and you've got Debo Samuel out, and oh, by the way, the pass rush is getting to Brock Purdy regardless. Throw Kittle out. You can throw him a two-yard pass. He can break three tackles and pick up, you know, a huge play. You have to. You have to do this. You know, I don't want to see the ball going to Ray Ray McLeod. There were too many plays that they called for Ray Ray McLeod yesterday because he's kind of the backup to Debo Samuel. I don't know if Kyle knows this. They're not the same guy. Like, (laughs) stop calling the Ray Ray McLeod plays. Get the ball to the all pro that's actually still on the field. So, yeah. Yeah, Makes sense. Too many times where that happens, where Kittle is just a ghost. They're paying him a lot of money and they ain't paying him to block. They're paying it because he's one of the best receiving weapons in the, uh, you know, in the NFL at the position. Something that's going to be a theme in today's show, not just in this game, is some really questionable calls. And I got to be honest, the hitting a defenseless receiver, which I think that was the oh. actual call, which extended the Browns drive. I mean, I don't know what a defender is supposed to do. This is very kind of reminiscent to when Minka Fitzpatrick was flagged for roughing the passer against Jimmy Garoppolo on Sunday Night Football. What is he supposed to do? In that instance, you have almost, I, I, th- I felt it was pretty textbook. Led with the shoulder, didn't hit him in the head or neck area, nope. yet still flag. 49er fans have to be livid over that call, am I right? It's a hideous call. Absolutely hideous call. Literally exactly the way the NFL teaches you to hit to Sean Gibson hit the receiver. But that's what happens when the NFL ignores concussions for decades, gets sued, loses a bunch of money. And so they just tell the officials, if it's a hard hit, 
throw the flag. And we don't care if you get it wrong. And that's clearly what they've done. They have told the officials to err on the side of caution because what they really want is they don't want those hits to happen at all because they don't want any chance of guys getting hurt, them getting sued again. And all that's all it is because clearly he didn't hit him in the head or neck area. And if you're going to do that, okay, but make it reviewable. Go Because yeah. if you watch that replay one time, you see great play by Gibson. And it should have been a fourth and 10. The Browns should have had fourth and 10, which obviously changes everything. Instead, they get a first down and they go on to take the lead on that drive. It's a great point that you just made about just the physicality of the game is being sucked out of the out of the sport. And every time, like you said, if it's a hard hit, like was over the middle hits, which used to be celebrated on jacked up on ESPN, yep. are now just completely removed from the game. I don't want to spend a ton of time, and I'm sure you don't either. So let's move on and let's go to Sunday morning, early morning. The international series was revved up again with, I thought this was a pretty dull game, Ravens and Titans. Uh, the Ravens end up winning 24 to 16. The Titans lose Ryan Tannehill with, I think what they're calling a high ankle sprain. Malik Willis finishes the game. The Ravens make enough plays to win. They did what they were supposed to do. Any takeaways from this game? Uh, nice to see a team whose kicker can actually make a kick. Justin Tucker field <laughs> goals for the Ravens. Uh, uh, look, Lamar Jackson is really good. I know that some people have been criticizing him. I think they had seven drops last week. The Ravens did. Lamar is still really, really good. And yeah. the Ravens will seem to win a lot of games when he's their quarterback. Nothing's jumped out to me during this game. But after the game, Jeffrey Simmons for the Titans flat out said, we need to figure out who wants to play football for the Tennessee Titans, like literally in the locker room, calling out his teammates. Good on Justin Simmons for doing it if that's what he sees, but that's a bad look for Tennessee. Now Ryan Tannehill goes down, and it's Malik Willis. Will Levis apparently is, I don't know, you know, maybe he'll be active next week, but, you know, I thought that he was supposed to be the future, and yet Malik Willis is getting the shot there, so who knows what's going on for Tennessee. They just seem like a rudderless franchise. But the Ravens, here we go. Doesn't always look pretty, but they're four and two right in the thick of it in the AFC. The Titans are two and four, and they're one of these teams that I would chalk up and put them into a pile over on the left side here and say, could they be sellers at the trade deadline? Could they be that team that says, how much you giving up for Derrick Henry? Because we got to blow this thing up anyways. DeAndre Hopkins, if he starts playing well, he's probably on the trading block. Who needs a receiver? I, I feel like they're kind of in that, in that boat right now. And Mike Rabel would never say that, but when you hear comments like that from a team that speaks volumes, in my opinion. All right, let's go to another Sunday game. The Washington commanders find a way to bounce back after the Thursday night loss to the Chicago bears. Somehow they beat the Falcons. <laughs> Not that that is some, uh, some, something to hang your hat on, but they do 24 to 16. The commanders make enough plays to win. This was kind of like a nothing list game for me. Like, I don't even think I watched much of it, but still, what were your takeaways from this NFC game? Sam Howell is a tough MFer. I will say <laughs> that. Five sacks in this game. Everybody knows David Carr, right? Got sacked 72 times for the Texans. That's the single season record. Sam Howell right now is on track to be sacked 96 times this season. Insane. That's insane. That is a ridiculous amount. And yet, Look, he didn't throw for a lot of yards, just 151 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions on the day, no fumbles, and Washington finds a way to get it done. They have more, well, I shouldn't say they have more talent than than the Falcons, but the Falcons have Desmond Ritter and he stinks. But <laughs> Sam Howell just 
he's tough, man. He, you got to respect. Those are the type of games that get you to love your quarterback. When you see a guy just get beaten up and still come through and produce like that, those are the games that endear you to a fan base. Is he going to even survive, though? I saw that same statistic. That he's on pace to be sacked over 90 times. And I'm like, 90 times? <laughs> that is, that's unheard of. I mean, who is the offensive line? Who's the, I mean, this is awful. I mean, this, yes, endearing to the fan base. He's tough as hell. But good Lord, what are you doing in Washington? I mean, if this guy's your quarterback, you're going to get him killed before week 16. It's that, unbelievable. I mean, that's terrifying. Like, just for his personal safety. Help the man, please. <laughs> Put in an extra tight end or something. Good Lord. Do something. Uh, yeah. So nonetheless, the commanders, uh, they stay afloat. They're at 503 and three. Atlanta also falls to three and three in what's co- becoming a very uh, mediocre NFC South, which we knew that going into this game. Now let's go to a game, which I actually thought was very interesting. Both of us had interest in this game, meaning it was the Seattle Seahawks and Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously Rob with the NFC West and myself with the AFC North. The Bengals find a way to win this game 17 to 13. Some definitely uh, some questionable coaches' decisions, especially Pete Carroll down the stretch, bypassing field goals on more than one occasion, which definitely could have come back to help the team at some juncture. The one thing that I, because I did watch a lot of this game, the one thing that I kept on noticing first, the Bengals' pass rush was getting to Geno Smith early and often. And every single critical down, third and five, fourth and goal. Geno Smith was running for his life and getting sacked. They had no plan, no answer. Bengals win 17 to 13. The Seattle Seahawks now fall to three and two and the Bengals don't look now. They're back to 500 after a really rough start. Rob, what do you think? Very impressive by Cincinnati's defense. Seattle was one of the best offenses in the league going into this game. They were having a ton of success and credit Cincinnati. They have a really good defense and they did enough in this game. I mean, Geno Smith, two interceptions, four sacks. His QBR was 42.3. That's an outstanding effort. I don't like Geno Smith when he's getting pressure. Sometimes, number one, he's oblivious to the pressure. There's like one play a game where he has no feel in the pocket and he usually gets smashed. And then just in general, I don't think he responds well when under pressure. He was obviously under pressure a lot in this game. And I continue to say, and I've always said this about Pete Carroll, He is not a details guy. He is not a situational guy. He's very bad at situational football. He's just not good at it. I'll never forget the Super Bowl against the Patriots where literally it's the biggest spot in the game. The clock is ticking down, and yet the Seahawks are so disorganized. Bill Belichick is watching from across the field, and he's like, they don't know what the hell they're doing. I'm not calling a timeout. They they don't know what they're doing right now, and we all know how that Super Bowl ended. So... I just, I don't have confidence in Pete Carroll in those spots. And Seattle's still a good team. They did not have a good week. And three and two, that's good news for my Niners. It is good news for your Niners. I will say, too, kudos to the Seattle secondary. They did really put the clamps on that Bengals passing attack. Uh, Jamar Chase did not do much. Um, I don't think T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd had much of a game either. It was really rough sledding for the Bengals. They did not have a great offensive game. Joe Burrow, I know he leads through one interception. Uh, just really rough numbers in the second half. So, hey, kudos to Seattle secondary. They are young, and they are very, very good. So, yes. Yeah. All right, let's go to another game, which uh, really got out of hand early, which is kind of the theme with some of these. It was the Jaguars and Colts. The Colts are now without Anthony Richardson for the foreseeable future. There's even some reports being tossed out there that he could be done for the year or going on injured reserve, might need surgery on that injured shoulder. We had talked about this at length 
leading up to the season and then in the early portions of the season that is Anthony Richardson going to stay healthy? And the answer early on is no. The Jaguars take care of business against Gardner Minshew, 37 to 20. Uh, they, they really dominated this game in every facet. Uh, the AFC South is, it's, it's interesting. We'll put it that way. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I mean, Jacksonville, like they look good in this game, but they're so up and down. I never know yeah. which Jags team we're going to see. And unfortunately for the Colts, like this is a lost year now with yeah. Richardson being banged up. I mean, Jonathan Taylor comes back. He hasn't done anything. 2.4 yards per carry on eight carries yesterday. I know he did chip in with uh, 46 yards through the air. But, you know, he was supposed to be a huge boost to this offense. He has not provided it so far. Gardner Minshew, three picks. The Colts are not good enough to overcome that kind of day. And I just, it's just a lost year for the Colts. At least if you had Richardson in there and he played and you still lost, you're like, well, whatever. He developed. We found out information about him. Now with him, you know, potentially having season-ending surgery, this the only thing you have next year if you're the Colts is a draft pick. Yeah, and, and it's really it's really crappy because you know, you think about this perfect storm for the Colts and I don't want to take too much away from the Jaguars cause they are up and down and they did win this game handily, but this is about the Colts to me. And you, you talk about how, okay, we have Jonathan Taylor. We have a rookie quarterback going to lean on the run while Jonathan Taylor sits out and he's out for the first five weeks of the season. They finally comes back and now Anthony Richardson's hurt really just a, an awful start for them. And you see, Hey, like you said, they're looking draft pick already, which is a shame, but nonetheless, you talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're four and two, and they seem to be one of those teams that if, if they have a day like they did on Sunday, they're going to be tough to beat. They're going to be tough to beat. I like the Jacksonville Jaguars when they're playing good football for sure. This next uh, game, that we're, go ahead. We're going to say something. Oh, real quick. Sorry. Trevor Lawrence, a little banged up in the game. Um, he did injure his left knee, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. Plus, the Jacks have the Thursday game this week, so it's just oh, something to monitor. That is very good. This next game, I was watching scores, and, and you can't watch every game. It's impossible. And I'm watching the Carolina Panthers jump out to a big lead over the Miami Dolphins. I'm thinking, what is going on? The Panthers hadn't even won a game. And don't worry, the Dolphins end up recovering. They end up doing what they do. They score 42 points, 40, 42 to 21. Final score, Miami improves to 5-1, and one, and now they're in that talk of like, okay, the NFL's best. Meanwhile, the Carolina Panthers are 0-6. Tua throws for three touchdown passes. Man, the Panthers are bad. Dolphins are the Dolphins. What are your thoughts? It's just so funny. You know, you're watching this game, and I see Carolina go up 14-0, and it's almost like Miami was like, oh, oh, okay, you want to score? All right, we can score. <laughs> and after that point, they go touchdown, touchdown, touchdown to end the first half, and it's just like, it just looks easy for Miami. It's unbelievable how they do it. But they are just steamrolling people right now offensively. And Carolina, like we mentioned, lost seasons. It's obviously a lost season for the Panthers. They're winless. You've got Frank Reich kind of dropping hints that maybe the owner is the one that drafted the quarterback, which is obviously a terrible thing. You know, six games into the guy's career. Uh, Bryce Young, 23 of 38 in the game, 217 yards, one touchdown. Didn't throw a pick, which is nice. But he has struggled mightily with the Panthers. I don't know what to tell you if you're a Panther fan. Keep keep young, healthy. See what you have here. You know, he's going to take his medicine in year one. There have been plenty of quarterbacks that have been bad their rookie seasons that have gone on to have great careers. So let's not make any, you know, lasting judgments on him. But hopefully, at least if you're a Panther fan, he can stay healthy and get the year of experience because that's really all you have to look forward to. 
This is the situation where, again, these teams made these really quick decisions to, hey, we're going to start this guy from day one. This is what you could potentially have in your when your rookie quarterback is thrust into the lineup. But it's, like you said, hopefully Bryce Young is able to stay healthy. He learns from it and improves. I want to look at the Dolphins' upcoming schedule, though, because they're 5-1. and one, But the, next week they have the Eagles. Then they have the Patriots. Okay, then they play the Chiefs. Uh, those, the, obviously, the the Patriots in the middle, but it's going to be interesting to see how the Dolphins play against the Eagles team. It's coming off their first loss. And then, of course, in two weeks, that game against the Chiefs is going to be absolutely huge. There there are tests that await this team. There's still that one blemish being that division loss to the Buffalo Bills. You think this Dolphins team is capable of doing this to anyone, or is it just more based on who they're playing, Rob? The thing that jumps out to me, and the reason why I think that they can do this against most teams is the running game. They did not have the running game like this last year, Yeah, but this year's different story. Raheem Mostert, 115 yards on 17 carries, two touchdowns. Mostert averaged almost seven yards per carry. He's a really, really good running back. He just had trouble staying healthy. When he's healthy, he's very, very good. And Miami's running game, I think, is the difference between last year and this year. If it's going to be this good, they're going to be able to, to do this against a ton of teams, pretty much everybody, because you can't just play to it now. You can't just sit back, pin your ears back, and try to rush the passer. You're going to have to prepare to stop this running game, and no one's been able to do it right now. They lead the league in rushing yards per game, almost 182 yards per game. They're the only team in the league that has over 1,000 yards rushing already. And that's not something you think of when you think about a team that puts up 40 points and makes it look easy. You don't think, right. oh, they're just running the hell out of the ball. No, like that's how they're doing it. It's very balanced attack. It's going to be tough to defend. I'm excited to watch that game next week between them and the Eagles for sure. Let's go to the Minnesota Vikings, the Chicago Bears. I did chuckle before we went live on the air this morning. I did see a clip where Kirk Cousins said they were channeling their inner Texas Rangers. They played Creed before their game. <laughs> that should be an automatic <laughs> loss. <laughs> they were playing higher by Creed, just like the uh, Texas Rangers. I guess they're doing that in their postseason push. Nonetheless, the Vikings, without Justin Jefferson, find a way to win 19 to 13. And I believe that Justin Fields, did he not leave this game with an injury? Yeah, he dislocated his thumb, according to Jay Glazer. Now, apparently, and I, I'm amazed when football players do this, he popped it back into place and tried to go back in the game. I just... First of all, I can't imagine what it's like looking down at a part of my body and seeing it pointing in a direction that it's not supposed to go in. And then being like, oh, I know how to fix this. Pop. Okay, <laughs> let's go. Like, what? Oh, reason number 10,000 why I could never, ever be a professional athlete. But if you're Minnesota, whatever, man. Your biggest offensive weapon is gone in Justin Jefferson for the next four games. You're just trying to tread water, you know, just trying to keep your head above water. And I know they dug themselves a little bit of a hole there because they had four losses already, but good on you if you're the Vikings. You found a way to get it done. That's all you care about in this game. Wasn't pretty. You didn't even reach 20 points. Whatever. Your defense did the job with a scoop and score and good on Minnesota for finding a way to get a win. Absolutely. And, and especially after a time where the rumors were, is Kirk Cousins going to waive his no trade clause? Like, is he going to be potentially looking at going somewhere else? And they were, Danelle Hunter was another name. They just signed him to a contract, but maybe they trade him. Uh, the Vikings needed this win in a big way. It's not going to get easier. They've got the San Francisco 49ers next week. That's going to be a really tough game. But for the Chicago Bears, I mean, man, like that fan base has endured a lot. 
they've endured a lot and they've seen some ups and downs. I, I know that the Bears fan base was really up after that Thursday night win in, in Washington. It had been almost a calendar year since they won a football game. And then they come out, their quarterback gets hurt. It sucks. Just, hey, put the Bears in that category. You put the Panthers in. Get ready for a draft pick. That's, that's a sad truth, is it not? And at least at the Panthers, you're still wondering about your quarterback. I mean, Justin Fields, 6 of 10 in the game, did throw an interception, four more sacks. I, I don't put the Bears out of the quarterback market for sure. So you're going to have a high draft pick if you're Chicago. I'm All I'm saying is it's a definite possibility that the Bears could take a quarterback. Justin Fields doesn't have any uh, attachment to this uh, staff. I just, I don't see it. Yeah, that was rough. That was rough for sure. So we'll see what how, how that pans out for the Bears. Let's go to the next game. The New Orleans Saints and the Houston Texans went head-to-head in Houston. The Texans find a way to win 20-13. to C.J. Stroud throws his first interception of his career, actually, which is a shock in and of itself. And they hold off the Saints, and they put up 20 points against, I think it's a pretty good Saints defense, but, man, the Saints offense just... They don't look good. They don't look fluid. I know that their offensive coordinator is under fire. There's a lot of people that want him gone as much as Steeler fans want Matt Canada gone. This game was, it was, it was pretty tough to watch because I did check it out for more, for more than I probably should have, but the Texans find a way to win. They're playing, they're playing hard. They're playing hard for D'Amico Ryans. Playing hard, playing good defense in this one. I mean, the Saints are driving at the end of the game. New Orleans gets the ball back. They're down seven. They get it with two minutes and 41 seconds left, and Derek Carr starts taking him down the field, completing passes, moving the yep. chain. But uh, D'Amico's unit forces them into a fourth and 10 with 21 seconds left. Houston gets the pick. End of game. You know what? If you can... I mean, Houston's three and three with a rookie quarterback who looks really, really good. If you can give your quarterback a year of experience while also not being a dumpster fire. That's a massive, massive win for the Texans. And I give D'Amico Ryan's a lot of credit. He seems to be having those guys playing hard that you don't just roll over and beat the te- uh, the Texans good on them. And the saints, I mean, what are the saints doing? Like, <laughs> what are you NFC doing South man? <laughs> your car. Like, what are you doing with Derek Carr? Haven't you seen enough of Derek Carr with the Raiders? Where did you think you were going this season? Just take the L. Just no, this is dumb by the Saints. Derek Carr is just good enough to keep them hovering around 500. They'll be like 500 or finish two games under 500. They'll be picking in the middle of the round, every round of the draft. You won't be able to get a good player and you just be stuck in this muck. But whatever, they're an NFC team. So that's exactly where I want them since I root for the Niners. There you go. And they'll probably win the NFC South. That's what's crazy is they'll probably win the freaking division and make the playoffs because outside of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, no one wants to win that division. It doesn't look like, but to look at the Houston Texans for a second, they're, they're playing really tough football and you know, they beat the crap out of the Steelers two weeks ago. They lose a tough one last week. They bounce back though against the saints. And you're wondering, okay, one of their big wins is over the Jacksonville Jaguars, the team that's leading the AFC South next week. Guess who they play? The Panthers. <laughs> They oh. play the Panthers. <laughs> You're thinking that's probably a game they're going to win. Then they have a, the Buccaneers, and then they go and play against the Bengals and the Cardinals. I'm telling you what, this Texans team isn't going away. And I, I'm convinced of this after watching them play the Steelers. They are not going away. That's kudos to C.J. Stroud being one of the best young quarterbacks we've seen in his rookie year in a long time. A good head coach and a good offensive play caller that's first-year play caller from San Francisco, that tree all really meshing well together. You're seeing it right there. We thought they were going to suck. They're not sucking. They're playing good football. 
Absolutely. Bobby Sloak is the guy calling plays for the yeah. Texans. He was in San Francisco. He's their passing game coordinator when he was there. It's rolling right now. Good on Houston. Good on the Texans. Let's let them be good. For, I feel like the only Texans highlight is like when they beat the Cowboys in their first game. That's like the only fun thing I can remember the Texans doing. Or J.J. Watt with a bloody face because his nose was constantly broken, you know, or something like right. that. But yeah, right. Exactly. So the Texans, they're if I'm a Texans fan, I'm unbelievably excited right now. Because even if this year doesn't pan out to a playoff spot or anything, the future is freaking bright as hell. And that's exciting for them. For a team that might not have the brightest future, let's talk about the New England Patriots for a second. <laughs> that team, I swear, I, I, I can't. When I say these words, like the Patriots struggle, the Patriots not good. Bill Belichick, is he done? Has the game passed? By? I can't believe I'm saying these words. It's the New England Patriots. It's the team that won all those games in the 2000s. With Tom Brady at the helm, they are one and five after losing to the Raiders 21 to 17. Mac Jones, I don't even know what to say anymore. Like the guy takes a safety at the end of the game to to lose it. Uh, just this is tough. This is tough. I mean, yeah, the Raiders win the game and it wasn't pretty. I think this is all about the Patriots and, and they just they're bad, Rob. They're really, really bad right now. Well, and Jimmy Garoppolo got injured in this yeah, game. Brian game. Hoyer had to come in. Brian Hoyer, revenge game alert. There and you like, go. You're the Patriots, you can't, you can't take advantage of that, right? Like at least you're, you're supposed to, your defense is supposed to be what you hang your hat on with Bill Belichick there. And yet the Raiders still find a way to get it done. Patriots roster's bad. It's just bad. It might be the worst Patriots roster Bill Belichick has ever had. Who are you scared of on the Patriots? There's not a single offensive player that would keep any defensive coordinator up at night. There's just not. And Mac Jones looks terrible. I, They don't believe in Mac Jones. It seems like there's a very sketchy relationship there with Mac and the Patriots coaches. I mean, it's just nothing. Ezekiel Elliott. That's what the Patriots are rolling out. Ooh, wow. A walk-up <laughs> running back from Dallas. That's that's your big fastball. Just bad. And I, it almost feels like Bill Belichick is just trying to hang on so he can break down Shula's all-time wins record. Well, guess what? You may be waiting a while, Bill, because it is ugly in New England right now. There's so many questions about that. Like you said, that the offensive roster is bad, even though they have a coordinator now and a guy that actually knows how to call plays. The quarterback play has been really bad. Mac Jones threw an interception that literally I, I watched the play. I'm like, who is he throwing the ball to? <laughs> like, no one fell down. No one was, you know, interfered with. Like, he, I don't, I don't know where he was throwing the football. Right to he hit the Raiders player right in between the numbers. It was a beautiful throw if he was throwing it to that guy. It's just awful. Like Mac Jones, like, and you have to think they they spent a first round pick on him. And if they're going to turn their back on him, that you're starting over. And that's that's going to be tough. That's going to be really tough. But the Raiders find a way to win. I don't know what to take from this game. Uh, Josh McDaniel gets a little bit of revenge over his former boss. I don't know. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, we don't know the status. He was taken to the hospital. Now, uh, from what I read, it was just precautionary, which, yeah. you know, you hope he's okay. But do they turn to Aiden O'Connell, the rookie? Do they go with Brian Hoyer? Do they stick with that? I don't know. Raiders are three and three on the season. So as, as bad as they have looked at times, they're still 500. You got to go with Hoyer, in my opinion. If you're three and three, like you're still semi-relevant at 500. I don't think you can go to the rookie just yet if things go south. And that's if Jimmy G's not able to play. But the Patriots, well, they're bad. They are bad. Let's go to a team that's not bad. The Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions are shockingly becoming a team that you're like, wow, like they're five and one. Like th this team, I mean, 
And now you have this discussion of, are they in that upper echelon? Are they in that tier one? You know, up, up until this week, which I still think we would put 49ers, Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs in that tier one. The Detroit Lions are close. They're on the cusp, if they're not already there, of being in that upper tier. Like I said, five and one, they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20 to six. And I think the biggest surprise for me, it's not been the offense of the Detroit Lions. It's their defense. Last year was, can they stop anyone? They're actually a top 10 unit this year. They stymie the Buccaneers. They find a way to win. What are your thoughts on the Detroit Lions as an NFC guy? Their offense is certainly the real deal. With Ben Johnson there, they can move the ball. I mean, they were missing their best offensive weapon, and I'm on Ross St. Brown, and Jared Goff still threw for 353 yards and two touchdowns. Like, that's legit. Uh, They had a bunch of guys go down to injury in this game. They only scored 20, but like I said, they still moved the ball. They put up a lot of yards, and... Tampa Bay just gained 251 total yards of offense after the game. Baker Mayfield was like, we sucked. We started slow. We didn't adjust and we didn't, we didn't come out at the end. I love yeah. Baker, man. Um, but no, I, I, the lions offense is legit. I still question their defense a little bit. I mean, they gave up 31 or 37, excuse me to the Seahawks. They did hold the chiefs to 20, which is impressive, but they've, I don't think they've faced, you know, a murderer's row of offenses, the Falcons, the Packers, the Panthers, the Bucks. So I think their defense probably looks a little better than it is, but when yeah. their offense is so good, it doesn't they don't need to be world beaters on defense and they've got some impact players like Aiden Hutchinson there on on the defensive side of the ball. So Detroit, I mean, they are showing right now that they are going to have to be dealt with in the NFC in some form or fashion, whether it's, you know, winning the division in the playoffs, Detroit is going to, going to have, you know, some noise to make the rest of this season. And that's a fair point about the teams. The Lions have played in terms of their defense, but they're doing the job. They're getting the job done. They're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. That's going to be a, a good thing for them to hang their hat on moving forward. When you look at the five and one Lions next week, I'm going to be watching this game closely. It's the Baltimore Ravens. So that'll be a good test for that Lions defense for sure. Uh, Let's go to the Cardinals and Rams, an NFC West matchup that I'm sure you were glued into as well. The the Rams really take it to the Cardinals. The Cardinals have definitely kind of died off after a really fast start to the season where they could have won two, maybe even three games. They've only won one. They upset the Cowboys. The Rams at three and three, they win 26 to nine with Cooper Cup. He looks like he's kind of like, finally getting back he's he's not just you know coming off injured reserve they are all i think they're a team that could be tough to deal with down the stretch what are your thoughts as an nfc west guy cooper cup is absurd seven catches 148 yards a touchdown in this game i mean the dude is he's ridiculous yeah sean mcveigh didn't forget how to coach i know people (laughs) like you know were bashing him last year stafford was banged up they had a ton of injuries last year Stafford is looking good. Obviously, Cup is back now. Puka Nakua was off to a historic start. And Kyron Williams, 20 carries, 158 yards, almost eight yards per carry yesterday. Also ran in a touchdown. We know Sean McVay knows what to do with a a good running game as he used to dominate with Todd Gurley there. The Rams, their defense is suspect. I will say that. You know, when you're not playing the Cardinals, I think that defense will show up a little bit. But their offense can score. They can move the ball and they can score. That's another team you can't just show up and beat. Like, you got to be on it to beat the Rams. They're not as talented because their roster is, you know, they've had some turnover there because after they went all in to win a Super Bowl, they've kind of paying the piper a little bit. But you better be on it because the Rams can score on anybody. 
And the Rams have the Steelers coming up next week after the bye week. But I want to ask you about the Cardinals, though. Obviously, Joshua Dobbs is the quarterback. Do you think if Kyler Murray is cleared and is healthy that they go back to him? Or do you think they just call it a season for him and say, let's play for next year? I would if you're the Cardinals, right? Let's see what Kyler can do in this system. You've got a new head coach there. Let's see what we got. Because look, the Cardinals, we expected them to be competing for the number one pick. They're one in five right now. They're doing their best to get that number one pick. <laughs> and you need to know, right? Because if they do yeah. get that number one pick, who's going to be sitting there possibly? Caleb Williams. And right. so you can't afford to pass that up. So you at least have to know with the number one pick that you have on the roster and Kyler Murray, can he play in this system? Does this work? And it may. He, you know, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury was a disaster there. So I think it's fair to say let's see Kyler in a different system and see what he can be because he's in terms of physical talent, the dude's incredible, but I would, if I were the Cardinals, I would go back to Kyler and, you know, we're at the point in the season now too, where there's enough film on teams from a quarter of the season. Like we figured out, okay, what you're doing. And I think the Cardinals kind of caught some people off guard and now it's like, all right, we, we, we know what they are. We know how to stop it. And not to mention you're, they're dealing with injuries as well. I know James Connors out of the lineup with a knee injury. So he mm -hmm. was a definite big part of that offense as well. Let's go to another upset game. We already talked about your 49ers losing, but don't worry, they weren't alone. The Eagles get their first loss of the season. Really bad loss to the New York Jets, 20-14. to I've been questioning the Eagles for a while. Just It didn't look right. And I know that you bring it up all the time, Rob, with roster turnover, new coordinators. But my gosh, it's, it's week six. Like, At what point is it going to start to gel? It's going to start to mesh. Right now, their offense just looks like A.J. Brown. That's it. It's either Jalen Hurts running it or it's A.J. Brown. Other than that, I don't see much of anything. Not Dallas Goddard, not uh, Devonta Smith, none of it. And they lose. And Jalen Hurts didn't really play that well. And kudos to the Jets. Like Everyone's just going to poo-poo this loss and talk all about the Eagles, which they should. But Jets find a way to win. And you see images and video of freaking Aaron Rodgers who tore his, ruptured his Achilles throwing passes out there pregame looking like he's going to play in the second half of the season. It's insane. I don't even know what to think. I don't know what voodoo Aaron Rodgers has been a part of or what crazy like mystical crystals that he's using to heal up, but I've never seen a guy with a torn Achilles. One of the most devastating injuries yeah. a player can have in the NFL. He's like not even in a walking boot, I feel like. What the uh, hell is going? I don't know. The league's got to investigate that. But <laughs> the Jets defense, man, they are absolutely legit. They force four turnovers in this game, including at the end of the game where you feel like maybe the Eagles are going to control this thing and salt it away, right? The Eagles have the ball. They get the ball at their 20 yard line with four minutes and 43 seconds. And we've seen the Eagles time after time, just salt away these games, use the running game, use Jalen hurts and the QB sneak to keep the chains moving. And that's what Philly's doing. They are driving down the field and all of a sudden Jets force a third and nine and Jalen Hurts drops back to pass. And I, I don't know what he was looking at. He drops back to pass. Dallas Goddard is out there. There's a jet on his left. There's a jet on his right. And Hurts is not really under pressure. And he tries to jam this thing in there. Not only would it have been an incredibly hard throw to make, but it was inaccurate. He threw it right to the defender. Jets get the ball back. They return it all the way to, I think, the Eagles' eight-yard line. And then Philly lets the Jets score so they can get the ball back. And it's just devastating for the Eagles. And they had found a way to get wins all year long. But this is bad because the 49ers lost and the Eagles could have put themselves in a position to be the number one seed. And now they're in the muck with the rest of the five-win teams in the NFC.
And that's good news for the Niners. I guess if there's a consolation prize yeah. to your dud in Cleveland, it's that Philadelphia lays an egg against the Jets. Again, these games are just upside down. And these two in particular, the 49ers and Browns, Eagles and Jets, no one in, in their right mind ever would have thought that this was possible. But the Jets now, Zach Wilson finding ways to win. They're at least, again, staying relevant. And it's early in the season, but to say that staying relevant is important. I know that for Philadelphia, you know, yeah, five and one is five and one. I get it. But yeah, they got the Dolphins, like we mentioned earlier in the show when we're talking about Miami. That's coming up next. That's going to be a really tough game. Then they've got the Commanders and the Cowboys and the Chiefs and the Bills and the 49ers and the Cowboys again and the Seahawks. It is not getting easier for Philadelphia. So for all those Eagles fans out there, they're just like, oh, I'll just give them time. Well, the time has come. You got to start playing better. Go ahead, Rob. And Lane Johnson banged up in this game with a high ankle sprain. He's going to miss probably some time, you would think, at least one week, because high ankle sprains are like the devil's injury. And they <laughs> seem to stick around for a while. That, you know, that is not a good look right now for the Eagles. They are facing major adversity. You laid out the schedule, and we'll see. I mean, we know this team has the talent. They have good play on the lines of scrimmage, and they're going to need it because this is a big test coming up in the next month. Absolutely. And so let's go to the last game, the Sunday night game, the New York Giants and the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Again, ugly game. Uh, and again, I, I can't stand it. And we talked about this with your 49ers game against Cleveland. These questionable calls definitely come out. And you're talking about a really, really soft roughing the passer call that went against yes. the Giants. The game on the line, a pass to, I think it was Darren Waller, the tight end. Defensive pass interference, maybe? I don't know. The 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 refs in this game, it seemed like at the end of the game, kind of went into the NHL mode. NHL mode where, hey, final two minutes, whistles go away. We're not making any calls. Definitely questionable call, but the Bills find a way to win 14-9. to And again, it's the Josh Allen roller coaster. What are you going to get this week? Josh Allen is, God, he had a touchdown throw in this game where he's dropping back. Nobody's open. He rolls to his right, and he has like a pinhole. To, to put this ball in with a guy in his face and he just rips it a laser right to the end zone for the touchdown. He is capable of some of the best and worst plays. Yes. I feel like I've seen a quarterback make. We got good Josh Allen on that one. But the Giants, what are you doing? You get the ball back with a minute and 24 seconds left. It's 14 to nine and Tyrod Taylor's taking the team down the field. He's doing the damn thing. And they get an untimed play from the one-yard line. And what is the play that we have seen every team do when you need a yard, especially at the goal line? The quarterback sneak. Do, what, do the, what do the Giants do? Do they run it? No. Tyra Taylor passes? Passes? What are you doing? Quarterback sneak it. for a, Get a yard. A, just, just fall forward. Something. Some. Thing. Terrible job by the Giants. I know if, if I were a Bills fan and they got the untimed down from the one yard line, I would be terrified. Like, oh my God, they're going to QB sneak it. There's how do you stop it? Just push, push right, right yeah. into the end zone. And they did the, uh, the Bills a favor by throwing the Bills stopped the play and the Giants. That's why the Giants are one and five. And like you said, Tyrod Taylor's in the lineup. It's not even Danny Dimes. If you're thinking, okay, well maybe he's not capable. Tyrod Taylor's a mobile guy. He's done. The quarterback sneaks. Hell, I think that with San Diego, LA, the, when he was with the Chargers, I believe they brought him in just to do quarterback sneaks sometimes. <laughs> it was just really weird. Like, I, I don't know. The ending of those games, and again, 
I hate how there's a very questionable, was it defensive pass interference on that pass to Darren Waller? Mm-hmm. I hate that. I hate that the officiating gets brought into these discussions so much, but yet it always seems to, because it's the National Football League, and that's what it is. They want parity, and they've got it. Nonetheless, the Bills find a way to win, and they are again amongst that five-win group of teams, so we'll see how that pans out. What, what's well, your overall takeaway? Oh, four and two. I'm sorry. I thought who else did they lose to? Oh, they lost over in uh to Jacksonville. Jacksonville. That is right. That is right. I forgot. All right, Rob, what's your takeaways from this week before we call it a show? Defenses, man. Jets defense, Browns defense, absolutely shutting down teams we thought were the upper echelon in the NFC. And then both teams go down. Eagles and Niners both lose. The NFC is tightening up. I feel like the AFC is tightening up a little bit. This season is going to be so much fun. Yes. And we'll have everything for you right here on the Fans First Football Show. The 72 Dolphins just pop the champagne, I think, as they yeah, do yeah. every year. This. <laughs> Great for them. All right, Rob. Tell them, hey, tell them where they can find your 49ers coverage and where they can find you on social media. So I run the Gold Standard 49ers Podcast Network. You can find us on YouTube at Gold Standard Network. Everywhere podcasts are found. And uh, if you want to follow me on all of the socials, I am at Stats on Fire. Perfect. You can find my Pittsburgh Steelers coverage at the Steel Curtain Network. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on YouTube as well. And if you want to follow me on Twitter slash X, whatever, it's at Jay Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. It's been another episode of the Fans First Football Show. Rob, we'll see you next week. Take it easy. See you, Jeff.